Cairo, Seattle. Welcome to Bark. We're back again, and this uh, this episode of Bark, we want to take a look at pit bulls and whether they get a bad rap or not. And I'm I'm conflicted on that, and I started thinking about it because it's Jim Moore, by the way, and uh, I do a afternoon sports talk show here in Seattle. But my true passion is uh, or our dogs, and I, I like dogs more than people. But I I wonder more. I wonder about pit bulls if that that falls into the same category Aaron Mason is here hi Jim with me as well and uh Aaron yeah I, I think we talked before we started taping this morning about pit bulls and how we feel about them and how we're conflicted about them because they're, they're the type of dog where you you see them you hear about attacks in in the media and I always am a little leery of pit bulls and I'm not sure if I should be or not yeah I think they get a real bad rap and I think it's because they look scary, right? They have these huge jaws, and they look real muscular and, and strong and mean. Um, the bad pit bulls are because of bad owners, right? That's always the, Yeah, that's the way I've looked at it, too. I mean, that's it. Yeah, they just uh, they worry me. And I just it, I, it got me to thinking, though, because we're going to talk to Danny Shelton here in a few minutes. And Danny's a, a football player for the Cleveland Browns defensive tackle. They were winless this year, a tough year for him. And he's he's doing something with uh, a pet insurance company called Pet Plan. And you can get a discount if you go to pet, PetPlan.com and, and mention the code word Danny, get a 10% discount. Uh, and pet insurance is something that I want to explore on Bark uh, as we get going further down the road, too. But Danny owns four dogs. He's got a Husky, a Husky Malamute mix, a French Bulldog, and a Pit Bull. And so while I was talking to him, finding out more about his dogs, and clearly a, a huge dog lover. And, and he loves his pit bull almost the most of those four dogs. And mm-hmm. so it just occurred to me that I wanted to find out more about his pit bull and, and why they get a bad rap the way they do. I think they're the sweetest. Like, every pit bull I've ever met has been noticeably sweet. Docile and friendly and energetic. You think they're cute at all, and- though? You know, because I look at them and I'm going, man, I just don't see. Now I'm coming into this where where I go, they're not really that good looking of a dog. I don't think. And I yet, know what you mean. And yet, pit bull lovers would tell me, no, 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 you just don't appreciate them for what they are. I mean, they they are cute in a way, aren't they? Kind of. They. No? <laughs> I I'm mean, just... they are, but they're very muscly and bitey <laughs> looking. You know. Yeah, and yeah, they look like they could tear you to shreds. Well, but we want to dispel that that misperception. That's that's the whole point of, of Bark today. And I hope that Danny Shelton will help us with that. And also, later, we're going to talk to a pit bull advocate. Her name is Lori Kalmbach-Ehlers. She works for Bullseye Dog Rescue here in Seattle. And I think you're going to enjoy that interview, too. But before we get to that, I was yesterday, or a few days ago, uh, my dog was watching TV. And, and my co-host on an afternoon show here in Seattle, Danny O'Neill just swore up and down that there's no way dogs watch TV. But the Westminster Kennel Club dog show was on, and I just happened to notice that River was sitting next to me on the couch, and he was looking up at the screen. Now, I've had previous dogs, and they've never looked at the TV, but River, I swear, was watching the TV, and Danny was saying, no, there's no way. There's just no way. And so he even took a poll. He took a poll on Twitter and found out that 75% of the people said, no, Danny, you're wrong. My dog watches TV too, and, and you're a, you're a believer in dogs watching TV, Aaron. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And so I just, we had some listeners that texted in and they went on and on saying that, yeah, uh, my dog watches TV too. And then I did a little research, emphasis on little, because uh, I don't do a whole lot of research usually. But I found out that the frame rates are faster with, with HD TV. And that's why dogs now can watch TV. They they register images more quickly than we do. And before HD TV came out, they weren't able to... They, they compared it to old black and white films back in the 20s. Huh. And that was what... Uh, and so now, though, they can actually... Higher frames per second. There's even a, a dog channel, dog TV, apparently, where they, they cater to dogs. So, like, when you leave the house for the day, you can just... You can turn on dog TV and amuse and entertain your dog, apparently. Do you leave the TV on for your, for your dogs? No. Uh-huh. Have not done that yet. Thinking about it, though, but I've done the radio thing before where, mm-hmm. where you leave music on or, or some sort of talk station. But I just, uh, I just thought it was interesting because there were some people that said that, you know, there, one person wrote in and said there are certain shows they can't watch because if there are animals or dogs in the show, that their dog will just bark and they can't, they can't watch the show. So it's impossible <laughs> Another guy wrote in and said, my dog hates baseball and Animal Planet, but he loves soccer and basketball. So there's, there's some, some weird things there where the dog will watch some shows and not others. There's another dog, uh, an owner wrote in and said that when he hears the theme song of the, the show that they're watching, that it triggers this impulse for the dog to come out and watch. Now, other people made fun of it, though. Uh, one guy said, hey, my deaf dog watches the hearing impaired channel. Now, are you buying that? <laughs> I'm not buying that. I'm not. I, I, I don't know why I laughed at that, but I did. I'm, I'm a sick person. Uh, and then another guy said, my dog watches his food dish. So that's all he watches. He's not watching TV. Uh, my dog watches golf. Uh, so I thought that'd be kind of, and I understand that. If you're seeing a ball, the dog probably wants to race after the ball. And one other guy was talking about how his dog will see another dog on the screen and chase after him and go down the hall looking for that dog that he oh, saw on the screen. Fine. Yeah, so that was just uh, something that was brought up yesterday, and I, I wonder if your dog watches TV like mine does too. Now, pit bulls, let's get back to the main topic here on Bark. Pit bulls, we, we talked to Danny Shelton, and he had this to say about his pit bull, Moni. Now, you got three different breeds, or maybe even four, because one of them's a Malamute mix. Uh, what are, are, is there a breed out of the four of them that's been easier to take care of, one that's more complicated? Yeah, I would say the pit bull. Um, she was my first one, Moni. She was my first, first dog, and she's been amazing ever since. Um, took her to, to college with me, took her to classes, and... You know, my professors were all cool with it uh, when she was a puppy, and now she's older and she's great with people still. And it's it's real funny because everybody wants to be drawn to Juicy the Husky because she's so pretty. Mm-hmm. But once they get to know know our four dogs, they are they're more drawn to Moni because she's just more relaxed and she's more of a kid she just wants to sit on your lap and take a nap <laughs> oh cool hey what would you tell people that are are concerned about pit bulls you know because there's this uh, stereotype of pit bulls but i've always felt like that it's not really the dog it's more the owner if the pit bull's aggressive but but you own one what's it like i definitely agree with that comment it's 
it's not the dog, it's the it's the owner. Um, so if you treat your dog like your kids, they're going to come out to be just the way your kids would be. Um, and I've seen it firsthand with dogs who were, you know, brought up as you know, dog fighters. Um, I've seen it um, that it never ends well for those dogs when they when they're you know given to the shelters or they're given to another owner to take because those dogs are just they they suffer from PTSD you know they they don't know anything else but to protect themselves and so it's tough but I love the pit bull breed they are my number one pit bull breed I am a fan forever they're, they're the number one in my heart I, I love to talk about them I love to promote them and it's so crazy because there's so many in the dog shelters and you know, I really want to help with that and change that stereotype that they have. Well, again, Danny, congratulations on being named Pet Plan Pet Insurance's Pet Parent of the Year. Uh, everyone who's listening can go to gopetplan.com to get your price quote and use the code word Danny to receive a special 10% discount. Now, when you're back in Seattle, Danny, I hope I get a chance to meet you. You just seem like a great kid. And you put up with an old coog like me, and so I, I, I appreciate your time today. Hey, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Thanks a lot, Danny. All right, so that's Danny Shelton's take, and I think a lot of pit bull owners would agree with Danny uh, that they're misunderstood and that it's more about the owner and not the breed itself. And so I wanted to contact an expert on this subject, too, and find out more about it. And so Lori Kalmbach-Ehlers joins us now on Bark. And and Lori's from Bullseye Dog Rescue. Are are you the director there, Lori? Um, I am the board president and co-founder. So we're all volunteer organization, and so we don't really have anybody that's a director. I'm just one of the many that helps make it function on a day-to-day basis. All right. And so reading from your website, Bullseye Dog Rescue, a network of foster homes and volunteers working with pit bull-friendly Puget Sound region shelters to give a handful of pit bulls a second chance. And the reason I wanted to have you on, Laurie, is that uh, we talked to Danny Shelton today in, in Bark, uh, the podcast today, this episode. And Danny is a football player for the Cleveland Browns, and he used to play for the Washington Huskies, and he has four dogs. But I wanted to find out more about his pit bull, and it, it occurred to me, I have to admit that I'm one of those guys that, you know, I, I, if, I see, if I see a pit bull on the street... I'm a little cautious because I've always been a golden retriever guy and I just, but I, I, I was starting, I want to be more open to it because I, I've always felt like it's more about the owner and not really the dog. And so I'm coming to you, Lori, not really knowing that much about pit bulls other than what I've read on the internet, different stories from pit bull advocates. And I'm trying to find out more about the breed and what you could tell me to open my eyes uh, to something that I don't know about the breed? Well, uh, since you're a golden guy, um, I, here's a fun fact for you. There is an um, organization out there that does temperament tests on dogs, and they go throughout the United States and perform this test to see if how friendly they are, basically, if they're a good canine good citizen. And <clears throat> they go around and uh, they're unbiased, and they test all different breeds throughout the United States. And in all of those tests that they do, they calculate the results for each year. And 
uh, pit bulls traditionally score higher than golden retrievers in their <laughs> friendliness. It's funny you say that because I saw that stat this morning. Mm-hmm. I was I was looking. There was one. The one I was looking at. That, so you, you've got this impression, this misperception anyway, that, that pit bulls, oh boy, they, they bite and uh, you want to stay away from them. And yet when I read this, I thought, okay, wait, 87% of the pit bulls pass this test of stability, aggressiveness, friendliness, and protectiveness, and only 85% of goldens. And I, and I sit there and I go, well, that's probably 100% of goldens because they always seem so friendly. And yet the pit bull seems to get a bad rap, doesn't it? It really does. It's been a long time now, since the 1980s, really, that they've kind of been the media dog of the day. And throughout traditional history, it's very true that there's always that dog growing that people kind of glom onto as the scary dog. And uh, when I was growing up, it was Doberman Pinchers. Those were the dogs that Mm -hmm. were portrayed as the very scary dogs. And it's been differing breeds throughout history. And the one that's kind of hung on for quite some time now is pit bulls. Um, Rottweilers come on and off the scene here, you know, depending on the year. But pit bulls have, for quite some time now, kind of hung on as that scary mean dog in everybody's eyes. And uh, there's a lot of organizations around the United States, just like Bullseye Dog Rescue, that really are trying to work to change that misconception and help people understand that really this is a very great breed that's just very misunderstood. What, what can you do to go about that? Because you know, in the media, like you're saying, some of the stories that we read, and, and I thought it was interesting too because uh, it sounds like when a pit bull bites a person that you're more apt to hear about that than if another breed bites a person. It, it just seems like I don't... Laurie, I'm just trying to get an idea of how you go about changing that perception. Well, it's been a joke amongst the people in my organization for a long time that our goal is to get a pit bull in every soccer mom's van and that we feel that (laughs) if we can do that, then one, um, you know, kind of the bad element in society out there isn't going to want to have them because they're not going to want to associate themselves with soccer moms. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's kind of a goal of ours. And then also just continuing to have people to educate people because really it's a, mi- a misunderstanding. And so one of our predominant goals as an organization is to go about educating the public about the reality of the breed that they're just like any other dog. And um, we often hear people talk about the fact that it's they um, it's the owner and not the dog, but really in reality, it's the dog, the dogs as a whole, as a breed are very good dogs and there's some good dogs and some bad dogs. Now you take those dogs and then you put them into situations where you have irresponsible owners and owners that are trying to do bad things with them. And unfortunately, because of the look of the pit bull, they're very macho, right? They have a lot of muscle. They look really athletic. And so that appeals to a certain element in society. And so um, you end up with them in a lot of people's hands that shouldn't have dogs, period. Um, So what we try and do is just start adopting them out to the um, bankers and the executives and the soccer moms and make them more prevalent in society in homes that are more typically associated with golden retrievers instead. Oh, that's fantastic. So what do you like about the breed the most? 
Oh, boy. They are hilarious. There's probably three things. I love that they're really a funny breed. So they do the goofiest things, and they always have you laughing. Um, I love that they are super solid with my children. I have two children. I have one 13-year-old boy and a 3-year-old girl, and um, she's a toddler, right? And she can be um, not always nice to the dogs. I never have to worry about my dogs with my child. They are so solid. And um, I also just love their athleticism and their training potential. They're very smart, and they really absolutely want to do what their owner asks of them. And so they're very easy to train. That's really interesting because I think one of the fears a parent might have is to have a pit bull around a, a, a young child. And yet you're telling me that, that this is something that if you have a pit bull that, and I, I assume that you got yours maybe at six weeks or eight weeks that you've had him from or her from the beginning. And so this is uh, another media misconception perhaps. Yeah, it's interesting. We've both of the dogs and the variety of pit bulls I've had throughout my lifetime because I've had them for almost 20 years. I've gotten them in different stages. Some of them have been adults. Some of them have been puppies. Some of them have been senior dogs. And they've entered because typically what happens is I'll foster them and then we'll fall in love in my family and we won't want to send them on to their new home. And so they'll end up remaining a permanent member of the family. And every single one of those dogs has been such a wonderful family dog with the children. And my husband and my my husband is a law enforcement officer, and we always look at each other and say, "Thank God we have pit bulls with our children," because um, so many other breeds would have bitten them or, you know, been very um, reluctant to put up mm-hmm. with some of the stuff that our pit bulls do. <laughs> I, you know, I love the story on your website. I, it, you've, you've got some personal stories there uh, about pit bull owners, and the one that you have on, I think, on the front page right now about Louis. The uh, he feels like he was rescued by the pit bull that that he got, yeah. and and he, he had the story where his wife died six months after his his last dog died, and and how much his pit, pit bull means to him. The one thing I was wondering, though, how does if someone wants to get a pit bull rescue, what what's the best way to go about that? Because you don't know about the history of the dog. Well, it's really about working with a good, solid organization, whether that be a shelter or a rescue organization that does their due diligence in making sure that they're placing the right dog in the right home. Because each different dog. Regardless of the breed, they have requirements. Some of them do good with cats. Some of them don't. Some of them really should be an only dog in the household. Some of them would be great with five other dogs. And so it's relying on that rescue or that shelter to help you find the right dog for your home. And they should get to know the animal and make sure that they've did a temperament test on it to make sure that the animal is solid as far as temperament goes. And then um, really listening to them because you may see a dog on a website and think, wow, that's a dog for me. And then go down and talk to people and that is not a good match for your family for a variety of reasons. And so talk to them about what you're looking for, what your lifestyle is like, ask them questions and help them or have them help you find the right dog for your family. And you have classes at Bullseye Dog Rescue, don't you, that people can go to? 
Yeah, so we one of the programs that we run is called the Responsible Rescue Project, and there is one of the barriers we found for people turning dogs into shelters, or one of the reasons why they turn dogs into shelters, is because of lack of resources to be able to provide some of the very basics for their dogs. And one of the several of those things are microchips. How do we get those dogs back home if they get lost? And then we have um, trying to educate people. What does it mean to own a pit bull? And what really is a pit bull dog? And then also um, the resource of having the ability to train your dog. And so we run a free training program, free microchip program, and free spay and neuter program for them uh, several times a year. And people can bring, they may, it's for low income individuals that might not be able to afford to do those things for um, their dogs. And so we want to make sure that they have the ability to do so. Um, that workshop that I was speaking of is open to anybody in the public. You don't have to be low income to attend that. Well, Laurie, I really enjoyed talking to you because I got to admit, I, I, I came into this, you know, being one of those guys. And, and I'll, I freely admit I'm clueless when it comes to pit bulls. And, I, and I've had this I've had this thought in my mind that they make me nervous to be around. And I think the next time I'm around one, I won't be quite as nervous. So I really appreciate that uh, you clearing these things up because uh, it just it seems like they always get a bad rap. Well, we would love for people to come and visit us. We have booths that are at differing um, locations at events throughout the Puget Sound throughout the year. So we encourage people to stop by, meet our dogs that we have at the booth, by ask them questions. And then, Jim, when you're ready, uh, I'll find you the right pit bull to be a pal to your golden retriever. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I th- I'll take you up on that. I, I really appreciate it. And thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Lori Kalmbach Ehlers from BullseyeRescue.org. It's in the Puget Sound region here in the Seattle area. And uh, like I just admitted to her, I don't know how you feel about pit bulls, but it seems like they get a bad rap and it's more about the owner and not necessarily the breed. So our thanks to Lori for joining us today on Bark, as well as Danny Shelton from the Cleveland Browns, finding out more about his pit bull. And, of course, my thanks to Aaron Mason, who always holds my hand here at Bark. Now, next week, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Well, not next week. I, I get mixed up because I do the sports talk show here in Seattle in the afternoon. And so I'm always I, – I, I'm not quite in tune with the podcast uh, way of doing things yet. In the next episode of Bark, how's that? I, that's a little better. I'm really looking forward to this one, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. It's about uh, people who name their dogs after football players, in particular the Seahawks, because I'm here in Seattle. So I just put a message out on Facebook or a note and on Twitter asking people if they've named their dogs after Russell Wilson or Richard Sherman, some of the more prominent Seahawk players that you maybe know of, uh, even if you don't live in this area. And I've got good responses from them, and we're going to talk to a few of them the next episode of Bark. So you have that to look forward to. At least I hope you do, because I'm looking forward to it. I haven't talked to him yet. I found out a little bit more about him. There's also one guy that I get a kick out of. There's a player for the Rams named Cooper Cup. He's a receiver. He's from Yakima, Washington. And he played at Eastern Washington, and he had a great rookie season for the L.A. Rams. And this guy loved him at Eastern Washington. So he named their new dog Cooper Pup. So Cooper Cup, Cooper Pup, I, I just thought that was kind of funny. I don't, are, you, are you laughing? I don't know. I just got a kick out of that. 
And then down the road, we're also going to talk to Dave Fry, who used to be at Westminster Kennel Club. And right around Valentine's Day every year, they've got the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. And it's on my bucket list. I've got going to New Zealand on the top of my bucket list. Number two is that I want to go to the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show before I die. Dave Fry is going to wrap that up. Uh, I want to know why a Golden Retriever has never won Best in Show. That's my number one question. And we'll get to that with Dave Fry a couple of episodes from now with Bark. And today on Pitbulls, really appreciate that you took the time to listen. And don't forget, if you have a Golden Retriever, get them checked out for pigmentary uvitis. I had a Golden that uh, developed this uh, eye disease, and he was blind the last year of his life. And it's predominantly found in Golden Retrievers in the Northwest, so I encourage you to see a doctor about that to find out if your dog is at risk for pigmentary uvitis. Thanks for joining us today on Bark.